Okay. All right. Thank you so much for meeting with me. I'm Jen, and I am a new podcast interviewer. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you. So, um, Bree, thank you for being the first interviewee. You're very welcome. I appreciate you being here. Uh, so you have a podcast. I do. Yes. Among the dirt and trees. Yep. So it's, it's pretty cool. A lot of people like true crime. It's, it's, uh, not like that it happens just like to kind of dig in and understand it and, and learn from it. Um, so I just had some questions I wanted to ask you because I enjoy your podcast. Um, and I just had, yeah. Oh. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to know a little bit more about it. Okay, great. All right. So the first question I have, and actually some people in another um, group that I'm in, it's a kind of a crossover between people who like true crime and people who love the play Hamilton. So when you did your episode on the disappearance of Theodosia, mm-hmm. I shared it there. Amazing. And <laughs> they loved it. So I wondered, and some other people wondered, um, how did you come up with the name of the podcast? So it was actually kind of a process. Um, I had I had kind of a weird way that I got into podcasting. You know, most people say, I want to do a podcast, and they have this idea, and they kind of run with it. But I actually was, uh, I'm a writer, and one of my clients said, hey, you know, we think you'd be really good at this. Would you want to give it a shot? So I kind of got put on the spot to create a show. Um, And I I used to joke about wanting to do a true crime podcast all the time. Um, And I always had a bunch of different ideas, but I kind of had to sit down and actually pick one. You know, there's, there's so many different ways you can go in true crime. So first I was making a list of kinds of the types of crimes that I would be interested in covering, you know, every show needs a theme. Um, So I had a bunch of ones about like being poisoned. And I had one that I almost did that was based off a very popular video game that I might still do. So I'm not going to tell you about that one just yet. But ultimately, I just kind of sat down at the point where I decided that I really wanted to focus on cases out in nature. I just started writing out a bunch of titles, just anything I could think of. So I actually had a million different alternates. I had like um, Lost in the Woods, which very generic, and then Out in the Forest. Um, one of them was Where the Trees Fall, things like that. So I was just kind of brainstorming. And at the point where I came up with Among the Dirt and Trees, I felt I, I felt like it was the one, but I ran it by a couple of different people. And everybody said, oh, yeah, that's a really good title. And it had you know, cool letters too. So um, I just, just kind of went with that and uh, yeah, that's how it came to be. I love that. I love that. It, it kind of makes me feel um, easy to connect because you didn't just immediately know the answer. Oh yeah. No, it. I was just scribbling down names for days <laughs> trying to come up with something that, you, you know, you want something original, but you don't generally want something too obscure. I didn't want something that people wouldn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just kind of had to cut down the list. But that one definitely was my favorite one. So I'm glad that it was well received. 
Absolutely. I love saying at that pod anyway. So <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's fun. Okay. So the next question I wondered, um, again, you just touched on it. The name says it all. These are crimes that happen in nature. Um, those it's not like every single crime or murder or anything of that similarity happens in nature. So I know that you're a little bit more limited than choosing the entire category of crime. So how do you choose which cases you want to cover? So yeah, I am um, obviously yeah, I am limited by a lot of crime cases, but I do have one thing that kind of works in my favor, which is nature is generally where people go to dump bodies. So a lot of the time that is a tie in to other cases, you know, you will have somebody who maybe they murdered somebody somewhere else, but when they were found, they were found in this location. And that's where you get kind of, you know, serial killers having drop spots and things like that. So I had a little bit of leeway with it. I generally started, um, or I, I started just by trying to find any kind of cases that had a tie-in in nature. So I was looking for cases that had to do with forests or national parks or being out at sea. Um, and now it's kind of interesting. This is something I never would have predicted had I not ran a true crime podcast, but cases tend to lead to other cases. So at the point where I, um, I covered that last episode or I guess second to last now, on Millie, you know, I found her case and she had a completely standalone case because at the point where the crime happened, it was years before they found the person who did it. And then it just so happened that he also had a bunch of other victims. So it kind of, it split off. There was this entire standalone case and then I could go back and actually cover the murderer and all of the subsequent cases that followed it. Um, and I've, I'm starting to see that happening again. I kind of realized that I was, I had a lot of back-to-back -back episodes of young female victims. So I, um, I was looking and I found some cases on, um, missing little boys and, in finding those cases, I found my way to another case in the area, and it just kind of all connects and builds. So it's pretty interesting. People have a tendency to relate outdoor cases to other outdoor cases, which kind of paves the way for me to follow. Okay, that's... I, I don't know that I would have really thought of it that way either. And, and like you said, you had some back-to-back -back cases of young girls, but that's the sad truth of, of this topic is that it's so common. So, um, yeah, it definitely is. I'll be really interested to see how different the crimes are committed and played out and discovered, uh, as you cover more cases on missing young boys. I'm, I'm interested in the, those differences that, yeah, men's like cases do they tend they do tend to have something kind of different. Women's cases they tend to be very much charged by violence against women specifically. But from what I'm seeing um, in cases that I've covered with men and with young boys, they uh, really are more about violence. You know, there's not really this specific gender attribute. It's really just kind of a violent case that happens. So it is interesting to see the difference, and obviously horrible. Uh, that it mm -hmm. plays out that way, but 
Okay. Um, so I also kind of wondered, which would help me as I'm beginning this new journey as a, mm-hmm. a podcast interviewer. Um, do you write a script before you start recording or do you just kind of know in your mind the areas you want to cover and then just kind of wing it? So I do a little bit of both. I, I'm, you know, I'm a writer, so I definitely write a script for it. Um, and that helps me in a few ways. One, I'm not, uh, I'm a big picture person a lot of the time. So I really struggle to grasp or not grasp, but to remember very specific details. So part of my script is just making sure that I have the details right. I have the right ages. I have, you know, where it happened, things like that, um, that could easily be messed up in recording. And I also like to use that to kind of format the story because that's how I try to approach it. I know a lot of people, they kind of go and they just dive into the details of the case, but I try and find the story in it. And that's what I'm trying to create. So writing a script really helps with that. But I definitely have stuff that I will mark in my script where I will, you know, know I want to talk about something, but I don't want it overly scripted um, or anything like that. I'm kind of lucky because I can, I can write in my own voice, you know, so I can say, oh, this is something that will feel natural for me to say. And sometimes I record things and I say, oh, that did not sound normal at all. Um, And I will just go and then I will improv it instead. But generally, I do follow the script. Okay, that makes complete sense, because the, the facts are important making sure that the information you're giving is true, making sure you're respecting the victims and their families. So I completely understand that. And you, I, I definitely get that feeling that you are sharing a story versus maybe reading from murderpedia, just something someone else wrote. So, yeah. And that the, the families is a big point of concern for me. Generally when I talk, I'm not very good at being serious So writing a script also helps me to find a more appropriate balance between uh, being serious and being fun. So I'm not really cracking jokes when I shouldn't be, you know, as a as a clutch, because I will do that. So, yeah, it it definitely helps with the respect element and just making sure that the story and the victims are treated appropriately. Sure. I think that's totally fair. And I know you don't cover a lot of super recent cases. So in, Mm -hmm. in some of the situation, you know, I don't think Theodosia is going to be, you know, yeah, I, I think, think Aaron I, I Burr think... is upset with you about anything. Well, if he is, he can take it up with me, but I'm not too worried about it right now. So, <laughs> um, okay. And then kind of going back to, you mentioned making sure you have the facts, right? So there's mm-hmm. a lot of information that can be available for these cases. So do you have any favorite resources where you go to get your information? You know, if somebody wanted to, to follow up and, and find their own additional information on some of these cases, where do you like to get that? Uh, yeah, there, there are a few different places. I don't necessarily use any one resource when I'm looking for a case. I kind of open up the internet to it. I say, here's the case that I found and I will go through and I will open up as many resources as I can on it. Um, I feel like true crime especially has a tendency to be speculation. You know, there is not always a lot of ways to guarantee what the actual facts are, because you will, you'll have neighbors or friends who weigh in with gossip and things like that. And those are the quotes that get published. 
uh, whether they're relevant or not. Um, so that that's good for me from a storytelling perspective. But as far as straight facts go, my best way is to cross reference it. And I generally will do that by going through different major news sites. Um, and then there are some really good ones like Murderpedia, like you mentioned, and uh, Britannica tends to have a lot of information. My personal favorite is definitely The Guardian, anything that they cover, because they do very strong narrative-driven stories, and they do a really good job of painting a scene. Uh, the way that they, they do it isn't isn't how I like to structure my show, but I do really like reading that because it's very easy and it kind of puts you in the, the time and place. And then for conspiracy theories, because I do think that some of those are fun, especially, you know, with missing persons cases, there's just so many opportunities for what could have happened. I do like to read Reddit threads and just see what people think, because that's kind of where you get that raw human people reacting to information. I think stuff like that's pretty fun. So Mm -hmm. I Reddit hadn't even crossed my mind, but (laughs) some people, I think some people have, have actually helped to solve uh, crimes um, just in Reddit threads. Cause yeah, I believe that. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of people, especially with local cases where people will open up a thread Mm -hmm. and kind of talk through it. It's very interesting hearing or reading about people debating what they think based off the information that's available. So. Okay. I love that. Those are, those are some great resources um, and pretty accessible, I think, to most people, too. Oh, yeah. Um, additionally, if we wanted to kind of continue down the path of resources, I also wondered if you would ever consider having a special guest myself aside. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously um, you, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, but somebody maybe like an investigator, a survivor of a of any kind of crime that happened in nature, which I know could be touchy. So that's why I kind of wondered about that. Um, Or maybe a self-defense expert. Yeah, uh, that kind of stuff is, I am definitely open to it. I think that would be one of the coolest things that could come of this show. You know, if it actually did get big enough for me to be able to connect with real resources in the community and kind of have that openness to be able to interview people. Um, most true crime podcasts, they aren't like one person, you know, generally it's, it's kind of that fun wine and crime feel, or it's multiple people talking through something. So it's always very weird just being me. I would definitely love to share the mic with somebody else every once in a while. Um, I, I know I have so, talked with some of my friends about doing stuff, having them as guests on, talking about extras and things like visiting some local ghost towns out here with people and doing little fun spinoff series stuff. Uh, as far as something like a, a survivor would go, I would absolutely be open to it. But that's definitely, like you said, it is very touchy. And I feel like it would also be very hard um, for me as the interviewer, which obviously nothing compared to what the person went through, but it would definitely be something that would require a, a very different approach than what I do. So I would definitely love to be able to grow, I guess, enough in my true crime capacity to be able to maturely and appropriately approach that with somebody and have it yield good results. But I think my first focus would kind of be park rangers or uh, some nature experts. I think that would be pretty cool to talk about realistic threats 
especially when you have bodies where they never found the murderer and people are still debating if it's animals or not. I think something like that would be pretty cool. So that would be super cool. I think that would be a little bit more along the lines of, of the theme of your podcast where it is a little bit more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. I can totally understand the the concern of having a survivor on, but um, it, I think there's still benefits to it too, as long as you're both at that mutual agreement of, of what's off limits and, and how to approach it with that finesse that you need when you're speaking about something so delicate. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, being able I'm to tell somebody's story. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where that could potentially lead with any of those guests, but I, I, a park ranger is a really great idea though. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what everyone kind of has that, you know, moment, maybe not everyone, but they have that moment where they can look back and they say, this is why I'm into this. I, you know, I, I saw a pet cemetery when I was six, maybe. <laughs> and I think that triggered my love of horror films. So what was the catalyst for your interest in true crime? Yeah, I think uh, movies are definitely what did it. I uh, I definitely grew up in a family that just watches movies nonstop. And when I was small, uh, like like you, I, I didn't have any limitations on what I was allowed to watch in terms of violence, which is obviously very American. Um, <laughs> but I was watching, you know, very traumatic, scary movies. <laughs> at a very young age and thrillers um things like that i think like enough uh, with j-lo that one really stands out stuff like that always really caught my attention when i was a kid and then i got a little older and they rolled out investigation discovery and it was basically just game over for me because i would sit and just watch hours of these episodes and they do such a good shot or a good job of having all these different um, types of shows and interesting kinds of cases. And there's all of these interviews and first person accounts. It was that definitely um, really drew me in. But as far as the podcast side of it, that was something that came from when I was working in corporate America. So I, for a part of my job, when I first started, when I was younger and fresh out of college, I was doing data entry, you know, it wasn't very exciting work. So I started listening to some podcasts, because everybody else that I worked with was listening to them. And I started checking out true crime. And I just kind of fell in love with it and started being the person who was telling everybody what to watch and, you know, blowing through shows ready to talk about it. So it was kind of an interesting evolution of of true crime in different mediums. It's so funny how, how many people got into these things at such a young age. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Probably not the best, but here we are. (laughs) It's not, but now that I'm wondering that we're uh, doing things differently than our parents did, I don't let my eight year old watch that type of stuff. So I hope that is good. (laughs) It is good. I just hope that we still have a generation of people as interested in things like this as we are. Um, Oh yeah. Actually, that's a really interesting thought. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you help get the word out. It it helps teach people about things to be aware of and and just, you know, maybe makes people want to grow up to be a detective. So maybe. Yeah. Only time will tell. Yeah. (laughs) We'll have to wait and see. Hopefully it sticks around long enough for me to uh, really 
grow the show though. <laughs> well, I think we've got a few years. Hopefully you're good, but I'll keep, oh, good. <laughs> I'll okay. keep supporting you regardless. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so some crimes are worse than others, right? We know this. Uh, mm-hmm. And and some people find some things worse than other people find them to be. But for you, this is your podcast. You make the choice. I understand that you know how to read a room. You know what may or may not go over well. But what is it? Is do you have a topic or a crime that you would never cover on your podcast? I know you should never say never, but you yeah. have a goal to never cover. Um. I don't know if I have anything quite as defined as a um, a topic necessarily, but as you know, I try not to touch on cases that I feel are still really fresh and really open. And I know that there's not really a fair uh, time limit for families to move on um, and wounds to heal and things like that. But I, I definitely, I don't want anything that's so real time. It feels like I'm just trying to cash in on somebody's personal tragedy, you know? Uh, I kind of went back and forth on touching on some of the Slenderman stuff because we just reached uh, an update in that case um, where one of the killers was asking to be released. And I was kind of iffy on that, so I stepped away from it. But I also think anything that's too upsetting, you know, anything that's just so gory and so traumatic that it doesn't seem like something we should be sharing. Um, the the girl next door comes to mind. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but it's based off of mm-hmm. uh, Sylvia Likens. And it, it the whole movie, it just the whole story is terrible. It's just violence and torture and just the worst kinds of things that you could imagine happening to a person. And anything like that, I don't like to discuss those kinds of details in my show. So those kinds of cases probably aren't going to be good for me unless there is some kind of greater narrative surrounding it. So that's generally the kind of stuff I try and steer away from. Okay. I I totally understand that. And that explanation kind of, sorry, I'm changing things up a little bit. I'm, I'm going to move the question fine. up. I feel <laughs> okay. like it, it kind of piggybacks off of this, but this is also another question from someone in, in that Hamilton true crime crossover group I was in um how do you handle the emotional heaviness from reading and talking about death you know kind of like you said it sounds to me like you have researched cases and decided maybe they aren't right for your podcast and maybe you haven't and you just are kind of aware of that in general but even if you don't talk about it on the podcast you've still read about it you've still kind of experienced it in some way so how do you handle the weight that comes from that. Yeah, um, it's, it's definitely a lot to handle. Um, I'm, it's, it's weird, because I love scary movies. I love thrillers. I love fiction in this space. I'm very open to it. I I really don't have any hangups about it. But when it comes to actual violence against people, I, I am a little bit more sensitive about that. And I I will hit a point, you know, where I kind of have to say, Oh, man, okay, these are some really grisly details. And they are, you know, kind of weighing on me. Um, and I realized pretty fast that I had to sit down and remember that I'm going to work um, with this. So 
obviously I have a degree in psychology, but I always told everybody, you know, when I was studying in school, I was studying for neuroscience more than anything. Um, and I've studied trauma and I've, I've definitely studied criminal behavior and all of those kinds of things. But I never thought that I would be a good therapist because I didn't think that I would be able to bear the weight um, of what clients go through. So I kind of, I use some of the stuff that I learned in how they teach you to approach those things to kind of build a wall and focus more on the story and the details and the case. And it's definitely not um, foolproof. There's definitely times where I'll be researching a case and I say, okay, you know, I might, I might take a step back. I'm going to take a breather or, you know, recover with some happier content um, or condense when I'm working on that into certain intervals, just to kind of make sure that it doesn't, um, I don't know, overwhelm me, I guess, is the best way to put it. You know, I had an instance where I was reading a thriller, and I was feeling so weird. And it was it was a very uh, gruesome thriller. But I, I was feeling very strange about it. And I realized that, uh, with a little external help, I, I needed to take a step back and just go to something happier. So I've kind of been taking that approach. You know, I will go do some of my other work because a lot of my clients don't have, you know, traumatic spaces that they're working in. Generally, it's mindfulness or parenting or fiction stories, you know, lighter stuff. And that kind of helps me to recover from it and process. But sometimes you just got to vent it out, you know. Absolutely. I will say sometimes parenting is traumatic yeah. <laughs> from, from experience. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not to uh, belittle that, but you know, some, a lot of it is uh, happier stuff, group projects to do with kids and, you know, science experiments, stuff like that. So, you know, you think of smiling children and not all the murder you just read about. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, or yelling at them to brush their teeth and get to bed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So kind of compartmentalizing almost a little bit, maybe when you can anyway. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Kind of putting up that professional barrier uh, between it, which yeah. I, I have to do with some of my other work too. When I've worked on memoirs, you know, there, some of that stuff is very heavy. It's very hard to hear somebody's personal story. We each have our own, you know, burdens to bear. So it helps to just kind of take a step back and focus on happier things or watch something really lighthearted, like a TV show, stuff like that definitely helps to kind of reset you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully that helps someone, someone out there listening. I think, um, some people have had to take breaks from listening to podcasts about it. So uh, about crimes in general like this. So, Oh, absolutely. I used to have to do that too. You know, I, I binge entire, I, I listen to true crime podcasts for four or five hours out of my day. And then I'd say, okay, I need to go listen mm -hmm. to something fun or something, you know, about self-improvement, just something lighter to kind of balance it. You definitely don't want to just completely throw yourself into it. It's just, it's not mm -hmm. good for anybody mentally. So. Right. I agree. Okay. So we know kind of what you do after we just kind of talked about that a little bit, but before you start recording an episode, do you have any rituals or routines that you like to do before you get in the zone? 
Um, it varies a little bit depending on when I record in the day. I generally like to record in the morning, but that doesn't always happen. So I, uh, I have a tendency to just slam some caffeine. Uh, you know, one of my more recent episodes, <laughs> oh man, I, I drank some very potent tea and I was just talking a million miles a minute while I was going. Um, but that kind of helps me to uh, hype myself up a little bit, being in a room by myself talking about murder. So um, I'll, I'll definitely have my, I'll have an energy drink or something. Um, I also, you know, I used to sing when I was younger. So I spent a lot of time in voice lessons. So I will take some time to do some singing to kind of work through those kinks in my voice. So it doesn't catch when I'm speaking and saying certain things, um, just to help make sure that I'm coming across clearly. And I generally will sit down and start by reading through a portion of the script out loud, um, just the intro or something like that, and make sure that I'm kind of in my speaking pattern, if that makes sense. I have the right cadence going on. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay. I love the singing. That's, <laughs> it definitely helps. Yeah. It plays a, it definitely really makes your voice come across a lot more clear. So, and you know, it's a really good way to hype yourself up and kind of get ready to I don't, be in that mm-hmm. space. So yeah, that's nice. I'm going to do that next time before I have a big meeting. I'll oh, you sing. should. <laughs> I recommend the Legally Blonde soundtrack. That is my hype before meetings songs. Oh, they are so good. But okay. I will put that on the list. Yeah, the Broadway version, to be clear. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, okay. So we talked about how you were interested in getting into podcasts anyway. And then you were just kind of asked about this one um, not long ago. But if you weren't doing a true crime podcast, um, we've already kind of picked up on some of your passions, um, whether it's um, psychology or singing or just writing in general. Um, So is there another topic that you would ever do a podcast about? So uh, I have actually kind of um, played with a lot of different ideas in doing that. And I actually might end up doing more than one from what it sounds like. But my first one and the one that is definitely dearest to my heart, uh, my friend and I actually were working pretty heavily on an audio drama. So I absolutely love audio dramas. I think that they are so fun. They are so easy to listen to while you do stuff. And the stories in them can just be amazing. So I was working with her on a dystopian um, that we have maybe talked about being able to approach at a later time. But that's, you know, more of a matter of casting and all of that. Um, so hopefully that at some point, but other than that, probably just uh, my general niche, you know, I, I'm a content creator and a freelance writer. So that's the kind of stuff that I can speak well to. Um, you know, I have kind of this story of being the kid who walked into corporate America and then walked out and started writing instead. So I feel like I have some things that I could definitely share with, a with an audience of people who want to kind of go into business for themselves and learn about what that takes, but nothing concrete yet. So, okay. 
So I got to be honest, I had to do a quick Google search on audio drama. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the uh, it's just a radio story um, right. that you can listen to. Yeah, I have. We, we wrote a lot of scripts for it and did some pretty great world building. So I'd love to see that come to life. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm kind of picturing like when you know, like my parents or grandparents or great grandparents would sit around the radio and listen to a story. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I there's mean, oh, I can send you some great ones. There are some there's definitely some really good content out there. That would be fantastic. <laughs> um, I love that. I've, I've, all these all these trends, they all come back around at one time or another. <laughs> they do. <laughs> and technology's getting better. So they are getting pretty fancy these days. Yes. I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> so I hope you're prepared for this. This is probably the deepest, most serious question I'm going to ask you. And then I've only got one more after this. So are you ready for this one? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Would so. You... Okay. All right. Would you ever consider putting together an episode of bloopers? Actually, I am currently working on compiling an episode of Bloopers that is going to be on Patreon. Um, you know, uh, obviously, I haven't done that many episodes, not to say that I have not made just a million different mistakes at this point. You know, <laughs> you there's definitely going to be some just hilarious frustration for you guys to hear where I'm just butchering normal words. Uh, but yeah, I am actually working on compiling a whole just complete set of all of my failures while trying to record because I do have the script, you know, so I will I'll be reading something and just absolutely ruin it or I'll try and improv and jumble my words. But I, I realize pretty fast that there's some good comedic opportunities in there. So yes, yes is the answer. You will you will get the bloopers. <laughs> Fantastic. I I relate to people so much more when I know that they make mistakes. And there was a time when I was doing um, some live videos. And uh, I this time I was trying to do a pre-recorded video. And I have about eight videos of me messing up and then turning into a, a very frustrated, scrunched up face. It's very comical. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can appreciate and relate to it so much. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, there. It, you know, at first I thought, oh man, I'm so bad at this, and then I realized, no, it's just hilarious how many ways <laughs> I can mess up saying basic sentences. So, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm already, I've got a whole folder of those growing. So once it's at a good length, definitely going to publish it. Awesome. Well, I'm pumped for that. <laughs> All right. So as I said, I just had one other question that I wanted Mm -hmm. to ask. So I, we kind of already talked about how you don't really do anything super recent for various reasons. Um, But I still kind of wondered if there are any charities that you know of or charities that you support that could maybe help the families of victims, or if there's any other, any other kind of charity that's related to what you cover in your podcast. Yeah, um, it is. It's interesting. You know, the thing with charities is that they are not always great. Um, A lot of the time they get busted for taking people's donations and kind of running away with it. And it really doesn't benefit anybody. So I, 
I don't know any specific victim foundations that I could personally vouch for. I would definitely say if you want to support um, a victim or their family, most families tend to open some kind of charity or foundation at the point where their family is touched by that crime. So looking into stuff like that, and that's not necessarily going to be the best for my show because a lot of them are older, right? The the push for those kinds of things um, will generally has passed and the foundations or charities have been shut down. But as far as supporting anybody goes, I would definitely say if you see a case and it catches your attention, you can probably safely assume that there are going to be, uh, there's going to be a place to have donations for the family and look for those opportunities. But outside of that, obviously, um, nature is the theme of my show. So there is there there's the National Park Foundation and things like that. But more than anything, I would encourage you to look for any kind of charity that is local to your area. You know, I think if we all put in the time to donate in our own spaces and preserve our own areas, will kind of be able to cover everything across the board. So that's a great idea. Um, I know, sorry, I go against some of your, um, your recommendations and I do hike and I have hiked by myself. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Not even just for um, the murders. It's very dangerous. <laughs> um, but I, I think, I think that's a, a great thing to consider um, donating to make sure that the spaces that we do hike in are clean and maintained well, because that could potentially help to keep us safe. If we, if we know that there aren't um, maybe trees blocking main trails. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that, you know, it doesn't even come down to uh, charities. It's volunteer work. You know, I know at least in Colorado, when you have hiking trails that are maintained, it's it's generally volunteers and specific groups that do that. So that's another really good way to kind of put effort into preserving those spaces. So absolutely. Just be I careful while you're out there. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go with a group. Don't do what I do what I yes. do what we say, not as I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh so those were the questions I had. Um I really appreciate you taking some time to talk through all of these with me. I'm really excited. I loved all of your answers. This has been fun. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you uh, having an interest in talking to me. So, <laughs> well, you're an interesting person. This is this is awesome. Well, uh, thank I you. definitely I would love to consider maybe doing this again in about a year and see how you know. I'm sure, there will be new questions and see how some things have changed, like oh, rituals yeah, or how how the show has self-care. developed I, yeah and i yeah. think that's a great idea i would definitely love to do a little check-in it's kind of interesting watching it grow and you know seeing download numbers go up and uh the engagement on social media and things like that increase it's definitely uh already evolving so i'm, I'm pretty excited to see where it's at then too i would definitely be interested in doing another check-in Awesome. So is there anything else that you wanted to add or say, maybe we didn't talk about, but you wanted to throw out there? Uh, You don't uh, have to say yes. I kind of put you on the spot there. No, you're okay. Uh, I think uh, the obvious thing is definitely if you guys do like the show and you are interested in what I'm doing, 
Do not hesitate to go and leave a review because that is what gives podcasts life. So if you guys want to tell everybody that you enjoy it, that would be great for me. Awesome. Yeah. And of course, you know, you hear it at the end of every episode. If you want to talk more at that pod on Twitter or Instagram. All right. Well, thank you so much. Of course. Thank you.